Benjamin Franklin spent nine years as an unpaid printing apprentice. He had other options for shorter apprenticeships, but he wanted to be close to the written word. He wanted to learn more than just how to print. He wanted to learn how to write, how to think, how to communicate. Benjamin Franklin was playing the long game. In today's episode, we talk about why apprenticeship matters and how to apply those principles in your current role. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the KL Podcast. We're glad to have you back with us this week, especially because we are going to continue on, build on top of our topic from last week. And we know you listened last week. We have 100% confidence that you, okay, take a break, go back to listen to last week. Now come back and listen to this week. We're going to build, we're going to build on top of mentorship and Tim kind of led us into this topic. He kind of made just a little hint of it at the very end of the episode. So I hope you caught it uh, because we're really excited to talk about apprenticeship and it's probably not something being an apprentice or practicing apprenticeship is probably not something that people have thought a lot about. It's definitely not something I'd thought a lot about until we started researching this topic. When I think about apprenticeship, it sounds very old timey to me. It's like blacksmithing and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm learning how to, to work with silver or something. I don't know. I mean, we read all these articles that were talking about Benjamin Franklin and his apprenticeship. I'm like, that is like, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Well, somebody's got to make their horseshoes in it. Candle making apprenticeship. <laughs> how is this relating to me today? But it does relate today. And so I think we're going to start with is just defining apprenticeship, comparing it, contrasting it to uh, mentorship, and then we're going to take it from there. So, Tim, what is apprenticeship? So I think when you're comparing and contrasting mentorship and apprenticeship, when we talk about apprenticeship, there's a heightened focus on learning. So... I did not disguise the fact in our last episode that I am a little bit fatigued by mentor, mentee, because the question that you hear all the time is, how do I find a mentor? How do I find a good mentor? And, you know, here's the reality. (laughs) People you want as mentors they don't, they don't want to be your pro bono life coach. I mean, that's not, that is not appealing. I know that's hard to believe for some of you (laughs) that, you know, there's not this line around the building of people who just want to work for free for you and be your life coach, but that's really not an ideal situation. So, um, you know, I also think it's a bit cliche, you know, this whole, Oh, when the student's ready, the teacher appears, So where do we go from there when we're trying to get paired up with a teacher? And I think the best place to start is to say, how do I become the ideal apprentice? And the focus there is on learning and putting yourself in a position to learn and understanding that there is responsibility and obligation that you shoulder as the person who wants to learn and get better. Apprenticeship is about learning. And unfortunately, mentorship, in my opinion, has turned into this corporate 
code word for I want to promote as quickly as possible. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, have anything to do with learning. It's networking. That's yeah. that, yes. that's what that's what now now we did talk last episode just to just to touch on it quickly we did talk last episode about a good mentor relationship and how there can be this symbiotic learning that happens where the mentor is learning from the mentee and you choose well and you can have a def- defined end date and all of that's well and good so don't take this to mean that Tim is saying mentor is bad although thou shalt not use the word mentor as the first commandment we discussed but there's so much on the person who wants to learn to own that learning process, to be in charge of their own personal development. And so much of the modern mentor relationship is, I need you to show me. I need you to teach me. I need you to tell me. I need you to answer all these questions for me and open all the doors for me. And right. that's just not the way it works, actually. No, it's, it's mindset to me. It's all about mindset going into that relationship as the mentee. And it's critical, like you were pointing out, Tim, and what you said, Henry, to to go into that with the mindset of saying, I want to learn, I want to get better, I want to improve myself, as opposed to I want to grease the tracks to my next position to promote as quickly as I can. And it's it's imperative. And honestly, you know, we've said a thousand times a career is a long span of time. And if you want to prepare yourself for success on the latter end of that time scale, you've got to be learning along the way or you will hit a roadblock or you'll crash at some point because you're going to promote into something that you're not prepared to do and you don't have the background or the, the roots for it to, to sustain that, you know, that motion. Yeah. Yeah. So good, I- Josh, that you talk about mindset because that's really what it comes down to is what are, what is important to you? What are you trying to accomplish? Because, you know, as stated, if you are trying to get better, the journey to mastery begins with apprenticeship. But there's a lot of people who don't care about getting better. And we've had this conversation. We're not going to name any names, but I, I have known people who all they care about is getting a promotion. And the day they get promoted to a new job, they do not folk say, oh, I'm going to learn for a couple of years. I'm really going to master this job. A week later, they're talking about their next promotion and how they position themselves for their next promotion. And yeah, you may move up the ladder like that a little bit, but this is long game. Yeah. Josh just said, career's a long time. Our conversations on the KL podcast, for the most part, are long game. I mean, with the exception of, of talking turkey on Thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, talking about Henry getting drunk at every holiday. Whoa. whoa. Other, other than those things. Well, that was Henry's friend. Only, only major holidays. Wasn't really Henry. <laughs> it was just his friends. But other than that, we talk long game. So long game is about learning specifically about mastery. Yeah. And once again, if you want to be a master, you have to be an apprentice at some yeah. point. All right. So what is the first step in becoming an apprentice? Well, what's what's talked about in the series of articles that we read is kind of goes with Josh's mindset. But specifically, they say you should revert to a feeling of inferiority. So superiority leads to a fixed mindset. And we've talked about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. 
when you revert to a feeling of inferiority, I mean, that is admission that you don't know everything. And that's kind of where it starts with the mindset. So you have to understand you're entering a new environment and your task is to learn and absorb as much as possible. Henry, I know you can relate to this because you just moved to a new job. Yep. Josh, you will be able to relate to it here in a couple of weeks because you're moving to a new job. I'm the only one that's going to be stale around here in two weeks. You guys feel will both be learning. All feeling superior and everything. Yeah, that's, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. I'll be the one who's superior finally. Well, but you know, I, that's a good point though, because it's a lot easier to feel, to embrace the inferiority, to ask a lot of questions whenever you're brand new. It can, yes. it can feel much more uncomfortable to say, I don't know when you've been three years in a role, but that's, I think where it gets really important because you don't want to start repeating the same businesses change processes change ideas change goals change and to keep asking questions and to keep maintaining that you know i don't always know everything kind of mentality continues your growth process so that's this isn't brand new to the role inferiority this is all the time think of yourself as in the constant state of learning asking questions regardless of how long you're enrolled and what i think is important to acknowledge too as a leader whenever you go in with that mindset or that attitude, you're laying the ground or, or preparing the table for your team to adopt that same mindset. And, and it really cultivates a, a good culture of learning when you can go in with that mindset and say, hey, I've got a lot to learn. And, and they see you, you know, living that, practicing that. You bring up a good point, Henry, talking about being new to a job and you know, having the luxury of asking a lot of questions. And I know you said, I'll continue to ask questions no matter how long you're in a job, but let's focus for a second on this special group of people that go into a new job and they don't take advantage of the new person card. And then you're exactly right. At some point that expires and they haven't learned and how effective are they? They waste that opportunity. Yeah, man. When you are new to a job, like you are really doing yourself a disservice if you are not asking questions about everything. Yeah. That's the yeah, moment it, when it's free. Yeah. You, you, you get a ton of power because no one expects you to know anything. You don't have to know anything. And all you do is just consume information. You gather it from all around and you learn so much about who actually knows what they're doing, who doesn't know what they're doing what the strength of the team is, how much momentum you've got, what the culture looks like. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful. And, and to be able to see that, like, like Josh, you know, moving into a new role for you, for, for your peers to be able to see that through you will be really powerful for them, you know, for them to hear you ask questions. I guarantee that someone on that team is going to think to themselves, I don't know that either, you know, and they, they start gathering, you know, more information just by being close to you for sure and i think it's a great opportunity to find out who your allies are going to be and if you're using that that ramping opportunity to get ask questions and find relationships you're you're finding out who's going to be able to help you the most and it's that's critical to your success let's talk about moving toward resistance and pain for a second i really i love this concept man because it's so hard yeah. <laughs> i mean it's geez man so by nature, as humans, 
we shrink away from anything that seems possibly painful or or difficult yeah but you know the, the interesting thing is this is the path of an amateur who's trying to attain mastery i mean learning is hard yeah and it can be frustrating and i'll tell you what i'm this bit of a rat hole here but i'll tell you what's even more painful than learning is unlearning and relearning. Yeah. So like sure. if you've been doing something wrong <laughs> for a long time and that's just the way that you do it. And then somebody's like, you've been doing this wrong. So I need you to just kill all of that muscle memory and we're going to rebuild. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. It's super, super awkward for sure. And now this, this notion of, of moving toward pain and resistance. I, I'll give you a very specific example of a lesson that I learned uh, from someone who will remain nameless. But uh, I learned that there's a lot of value in keeping your interviewing skills sharp. Interviewing is difficult for people. I think generally people will say, Interviews make me nervous. You don't know what kind of questions people are going to ask. You don't know how to handle yourself. You don't even know what you're good at or bad at necessarily because you haven't thought about it. And I learned a great lesson that you should just go on interviews. doesn't mean that you're looking for the job, but the best way to stay sharp is to go interview places. First off, you'll get to meet people, build relationships. But secondly, you practice that and it's uncomfortable every single time. And even if you don't want the job, you definitely don't want to look dumb in an interview. So you've got to get sharp for it. And you're like, yeah. oh, I got to get all this organ. So I've started putting that into practice because I thought this is a good idea. And you know what? It doesn't even matter if you go to an interview, just like sitting down and categorizing all the things that, that you know, like thinking about questions people could ask and your responses to it is a really challenging and interesting exercise. Yeah, I think that speaks to this quote from one of the articles that said our skill becomes lopsided as we avoid our weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. You and never skip man, leg day, Tim. You never skip leg day. That's right. <laughs> that's it's right. Visual. You know, it's interesting that you went straight to the gym with that, Henry, because I'll tell you what I was thinking about is one of the best things that happened to me as a kid athletically was I broke my right collarbone when I was in junior high and I didn't just sit around for eight weeks while it healed. I just started using my left hand a lot, a lot. I mean, for eight weeks, I used my left arm, my left hand. And when my right collarbone healed up, I mean, I won't say that I was equally strong and as skilled in both hands. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I had used that muscle and that coordination in my left hand, just because I was forced to. And athletically, I was superior to where I had been eight weeks before. Now that yeah. was a very painful eight weeks because I was frustrated. <laughs> I wasn't used to using my left hand. I mean, I was pissed a lot of the time, but on yeah. the other side of it, man, I was a lot better. And you know, I know that's a bit of a loose analogy, but I think we can apply that to a lot of things in the workplace and, and business. If we can be uncomfortable 
and really, really work at the things we're not good at, then on the other side of it, man, we're so much better. Well, the other thing, uh, uh, it's so true, Tim. And the other thing, you know, just to talk about the gym as, a, as an analogy a little bit more, why are there so many mirrors in a gym? <laughs> you know, but when you can sit there and see yourself, you know, you watch your form and the exercise, then you can, you can make the adjustments that you need in order to do it right. You need that in our, in our, in your relationship at work, you need somebody to be your mirror so that you can, like you said earlier, break down these habits, break your muscle memory and start it all over again. It's painful, but that's how you make it right. Yeah. 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 This, that notion of moving towards resistance and pain, it was actually really timely for me as we were doing some background work for this conversation. And like we mentioned, I was going through the interview process and, you know, have since accepted that position, but it's going to be an exercise of resistance and pain. The, the job is, is new. It's different in scope. It's much larger in scope. I'm going to have to re I'm going to have to make new relationships that I don't have. I don't have a lot of existing relationships in that organization. And so, you know, it, it was really timely for me to read that. And that's really kind of what I leaned on a little bit to say, Hey, this is going to be good for me on the, on the backside of it because of I'm growing, I'm learning, it's something new and, and I can add more tools to my tool pouch as a, as a result of it. Well, you know, Josh, I was talking about interviewing as a practice, but you're interviewing, you went through this interview process because it was part of your career plan. Right. And you could have been on the other side of that and not gotten the job. Right. And uh, that is also another piece of apprenticeship, which is learning through failure uh, or failure as part of the process. That's also a key element for learning. And in apprenticeship, it's sort of, I wouldn't say it's risk-free, like nothing bad happens, but it is an opportunity to make mistakes and to grow from those mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. Right. You know, Tim and his uh, right collarbone, I'm sure that, you know, not only was he learning how to use the left arm more, but he was also learning what not to do with his, you know, right side of his body. So hopefully he wouldn't be breaking another collarbone. I mean, you have to look at the whole thing all in. It's again, not fun to learn from your mistakes, but you don't really learn from your successes the same way, do you? Yeah. And I think just talking about mistakes leads us right into the next bullet, which is apprentice yourself in failure. And that's, that is not self-explanatory. <laughs> it's not, it's not the clearest bullet, but what it really means is you're going to fail if you're learning, yeah. if you're learning and growing, you will fail. And they specifically outline two different kinds of failure. The first one is from never trying out your ideas because you're too afraid or because you're waiting for the perfect time, which we all know never comes. And that kind of failure you never learn from. I mean, it'll actually destroy you. The second kind comes from being bold and trying your ideas. And if you fail in this way, yeah, you might take a hit to your reputation, but that hit to your reputation is greatly outweighed by what you learn. Tim Ferriss has this great example about Henry Ford and an apprenticing through failure, where he talks about, I mean, I didn't realize how many times Henry Ford failed at building a car company. Did you guys realize that before you'd read this? Tim, you probably did. You're a history guy. <laughs> I was aware of it. Yeah, but it is yeah. a little known fact. 
but I mean, it's incredible, but, but he was focused on learning through each one of those failures and developing a better process the next time around. So I, you know, this, uh, this production line that he was building wasn't necessarily part of his original concept that was developed through learning what the mistakes were along the way. And then, you know, he lands on it, what, on his third attempt. I mean, how many people get three attempts to launch a car company? especially at that point in time in history. I mean, it wasn't like car companies were, there were, they weren't a dime a dozen like they are today. I mean, that's, that's an, that's incredible. It's important. And and Josh, go ahead and steal a point that I know you'll make it somewhere along the way. You have to be intentional about it. You have to be thinking where are the failure points and how can I learn from these? And, you know, again, it's also about accepting your own inferiority, understanding that you're going to fail and being okay with it. You can't come yeah, out with a big ego. I think the cliche phrase now is fall, fall in love with the process and not so much the destination. And, you know, I, I hate to use it now because it gets used so frequently, but it's, it's true, right? If you can fall in love with the steps that it takes to get you there, the successes and the failures, the, the desti- honestly, I think the destination moves at that point because your, your dream gets bigger, your goal gets bigger, and, and you're perpetual, in a perpetual learning state at that point. So... Yeah, I think that's the way it gets explained most of the time now, falling in love with the process. It's important. Yeah, falling in love with it. And, you know, it's even more cliche than that, but trusting the process, Josh, I mean, it's true. And to be clear, we've mentioned a couple of these names. I just feel like I'm preaching here, but learning is not for losers. I mean, the people that we're talking about, (laughs) Ben Franklin, Henry Ford, Albert Einstein was the other one mentioned in that article. I mean, learning is everything. It's what leads to success. So now, yes, you may get, you may fool somebody into promoting you twice in 18 months. Is that success? I don't know. I I guess that depends on how you define it, but I'll take my chances with focusing on learning and actually becoming better at what I'm doing. I mean, that's what I want to do. And, you know, on the topic of Einstein, I just have to mention this. So did you, did you two read the piece about Olympia Academy? Oh yeah. We, yeah. 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 I actually, I actually talked to Henry about that before we jumped on the call. Like I, I hope that one day have a group that sounds as cool as the Olympia Academy, just around well, stuff with people to talk about science and philosophy. Josh, I actually feel like, KL is a modern day Olympia Academy. Well, there you go. I've done it already. <laughs> without Einstein. I think we're like the three other guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're just other missing guys. Einstein. Yeah, we have it. no North Star. We're just wandering in the dark. We have no That's North right. Star. We're one Einstein away from a modern day Olympia oh, Academy. Oh, God. I love it. I we're truly the three That's other great. guys. That's great. Those three other guys in Olympia Academy are like, no, you're not the three other guys. Trust me. <laughs> We're just looking for a lead singer. <laughs> that's, that's it. We're just three bass players looking for a lead singer. <laughs> that's right. Three bass players just chilling out. It's awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 that, that is great, man. These, these, these are people who never, who never stopped learning, who, whose entire, I, I mean, everything was built on their desire to learn more and to grow. They weren't necessarily trying to collect accolades. They weren't looking to add 
you know, new uh, initials at the end or beginning of their names. They were just people who were trying to make a, a I don't know, a, a discovery to find something new. You know, this is probably a very shiny look at look back at history. I'm sure they all had their own their own positives and negatives personally, but their desire to to learn and grow was more important than their desire to promote up the food chain in a corporate environment. Yeah, well, and once again, I mean, we just keep circling back to this: what's important? What's important? What do you want? And you know, one of the best quotes that I read when we were preparing for this is, uh, I read somewhere that it said. It's a simple law of human psychology that our thoughts tend to revolve around what we value most. Yeah. And that's it. If you value getting a bunch of empty promotions, well, that's what your thoughts are going to revolve around. And if, you know, if you value becoming a better human being and maximizing your learning potential, then that's what your thoughts are going to revolve around. So, right. you know, you could actually reverse engineer that. It's going to be very painful and exposing for a lot of people, but you can reverse engineer it and say, what do my thoughts revolve around? That's probably what I value the most. Interesting to look at it that way. I do think it's worth calling out that a lot of this material that we're talking about comes from the book Mastery by Robert Greene. And if you don't want to read a book, which I know most of you don't, we've discussed this, you could actually read six articles that are posted on Tim Ferriss' website. That might even be too long of a read for some of you, but, but it is a good summary of the book, and it'll, it'll get you pretty far down the road when it comes to apprenticeship. It's actually very interesting. Tim Ferriss is a unique individual for sure. So let's shift gears for a second. How do we feel about a personal board of directors? And this was not discussed by Robert Greene or Tim Ferriss, but I do think it goes with the conversation that we've had in the last episode in this episode. This is a a concept, Tim, that you've been um, talking a little bit more and more about lately, and uh, I hadn't heard it before until you brought it up. And I like the notion uh, it, in a way, it ties back to our, our mentorship uh, conversation, but I like the notion of it because it, it feels more like your accountability, like what you have to deliver back to these board of directors rather than what they are going to give to you. But I don't know how to do it. So the idea is rather than having one mentor, you get a group of people together who have different backgrounds, who have different skills who have different experiences, who have different areas of expertise. And then as needed, you lean on whichever of those suits suits the situation better. So rather than having one mentor, we just have a hammer hanging from our belt and we fix everything with that. We actually have, you know, a diverse set of tools and depending on the challenge or the problem, we use whichever person on our board of directors is the best fit for that. Yeah. It takes some pressure off the mentors and it also, it also is beneficial to you because you have this group of people and you can kind of select who you want to lean on. I really love the idea. Yeah. And I think also Tim, depending on the situation, there's times when you can lean on all of them for 
whether it's a decision to be made and, and I'll tie it into what we've been talking about. You know, this interview process that I've gone through, getting the offer and then bouncing that against, you know, people that I trust, what I would call my board of directors, you know, not intentionally because this, this notion is kind of new, but it was the same concept to say, hey, here's my concerns. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? And lean on that and lean on that. And, you know, the people that I trust most, getting their feedback in that situation was, I mean, it was everything to help kind of navigate me through, you know, through that process. And so it's, it, it's a great notion for sure. It's actually an exercise that I've had my team uh, go through recently, one at a time. I don't want everybody doing it at once, but, um, you know, I've had them think about who's, who are the most important people in my life when it comes to giving advice and providing mentorship. And then once you kind of have that pool of, we'll call them candidates for your board of directors, then you make sure that you don't have a lot of redundancy. You know, you want to pick unique individuals so that you have a diverse board. And I suppose it's up to you whether you want to let them know that you're on, they're on your board. Um, I've actually had uh, my people reach out then make it formal and just say, hey, here's an idea that I'm working on. I'm building a personal board of directors and I'd be honored if if you would help me there and, you know, make sure they understand there's not quarterly meetings or anything like that. Make sure you explain the concept <laughs> to them. But then you have that personal board of directors in place. You know where you're going when you need advice. Um, I just think it's a great springboard for learning, you know, how many, how many people do you think are appropriate for that? In my opinion, five is the ideal number, but you know, I could be convinced otherwise. I really think, um, you know, you get more than five and then it's just kind of hard to keep up with them. And I think it's really important that you stay in touch with these people. Yeah. Um, There could be a, you know, with voting rights and all that could be a hostile takeover. Next thing you know, you're, you've lost control of your own life. True. Yeah, that's that's what I hope for. I love the idea. I love the idea. And so that's great. So uh, the most important people in your life, that people that you would reach out to for advice, that you would that you would value their mentorship, their thought process, that they know you well enough uh, and they all bring something a little bit different to the table. Find five of those people, make contact with them and build a personal board of directors. It's fantastic. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, we talked in the last episode, we're like, So what does an ideal mentor look like? And we talked about them needing to be in your industry so you don't have to give all this background. Well, the beauty of a board of directors is you can have one or two people like that who actually know your job. But then, you know, Henry, let's talk about you because I don't mind discussing all your personal business at all. (laughs) But so we'll use you as as an example, Henry. You know, we could say, maybe you have somebody in the technology arena that's on your board of directors, but then maybe we have somebody who's in the music business because you have such a passion for music. And, you know, maybe we have somebody in the education arena because you have expressed a desire to someday go back and teach. And so you're kind of greasing the tracks for maybe an entry into education at some point, you know, it's almost like this past, present and future view it just gives you so much more of a 360 perspective 
when you can get these different people together and then you can compare and contrast the advice and feedback that right. you're giving them. And then on the other hand, it's not such a heavy lift for the mentors because they're kind of splitting the load. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love the idea that, that we're dynamic people and we're multifaceted and you can have people sitting on your board that feed, you know, each, each swim lane that makes up your life. And that's, it's awesome. So let's tie this back to apprenticeship. How does the personal board of directors relate to you? And, and, you know, when you're in that apprenticeship mindset, well, hopefully your board of directors are individuals with growth mindsets. And that's why it's so important that you pick the right people. And I know there's probably somebody out there that's like, for God's sake, I've been struggling to find one good mentor. And you just told me now I need to find five. <laughs> but <laughs> in the business I might want to be in 20 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you understand that with the personal board of directors, you can kind of broaden your approach, you know, and you don't have to find people specifically related to your occupation. But you know, back to the question, Henry, I think it's important that you that you focus on people for your board that have growth mindsets. And, you know, we're really making this a circular conversation at this point, Henry, because one of the things that you mentioned in the last episode was how when you are around people who value learning and growth, it inspires you to learn more. Right. And that's really the kind of spark that you want to get from your personal board of directors. Um, you know, you really want them to inspire the desire to be an apprentice. In summary, apprenticeship is all about learning. First, we have to revert to a feeling of inferiority. Superiority is a fixed mindset, which really stunts growth. Next, we have to move toward resistance and pain. No one likes the idea of discomfort, but it is part of the process. We also have to accept the fact that failure is part of growth and learning. And last, let's work on putting together a personal board of directors. You want a team behind you. So whatever stage of your career you're in, think about what you need and who can help and make building your board part of your plan. Good luck out there. Leadership is about more than standing out front and calling the shots. Leadership is also about growth. And growth comes from asking questions, being a student of your profession, and embracing the mistakes. Be a lifelong apprentice, and you'll never stop growing. For more KL podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.